It says the broadcast is live. We're live. We're live. Let me hit this button, John. We're ready to get wonder wonder twin powers activate. Okay, here we go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. You're ready to move up. Before we start, I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other and all points in between, the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. And now, your hosts, Jeremy Lunnan and John Dimke. We've got to protect our phony baloney job, gentlemen. We must do something about this immediately. It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Well, here we are, John. Here we are. Finally. It's uh, crazy. We were just uh, commiserating. Did you ever think you'd be in your 50s? I didn't think I didn't think I'd be in my fifties so quickly. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and you're okay. So I'm. I got a, Are you fifty two? Yeah, I'm fifty two. Fifty two. Okay. So I'm. I got three years on John, and we're going to talk about Ozzy Osbourne tonight. Woo. Things we're going to talk about, and I want to just right out of the gate to put John right on the spot with no warning. What is your first recollection? And you you come from more of a pop background. You've said you were more a pop guy. You weren't really into hard rock. So what's your first recollection of Ozzy Osbourne? I just want to hear your very first memory that you think of. Okay. So I was a kid. We'd moved from uh, central Wash- or from southern Washington, the Tri-Cities area, down to central Utah down to Delta, Utah. Okay. But there was no shopping down there. So my mom wanted to go to the mall in Provo. Okay. <laughs> so of course my mother's crazy and we get there before all the stores open. All right. So out in front of the ZCMI, which was the Zions Cooperative Mercantile Institute. Right. Right. This was a, at one time I think it was a Mormon owned co-op kind of thing, but it's basically like a Nordstrom or a, Better than a Sears, I think, but it was yeah. kind of like a Nordstrom big department store. Yeah, big nice department. Department store. Yeah. So this, we're sitting in the mall courtyard by the fountain, and we're the only ones there. And then soon, before the doors open, we saw all these like we we called them stoner kids came in. Right, right. And these guys had leather jackets on, and they had they had chains on, and they had you know spiked gloves and stuff. And we're like, what is going on? Do these people really need blue jeans at this early in the morning? I think it was like eight o'clock in the morning. It was early. So the next thing I know is like, because I have a sense of fairness about me. I think if you're in line early, you should be the first one in the door. Yeah. (laughs) We want to get those. We want to get those blue jeans faster than anybody. That's right. (laughs) So. We get to the door and my mom pulls me back, pulls me back from the door, me and my sister. And uh, the 
the gal inside the, the store opens the door and all these stoners rush in past us. Wow. And I was like, what is going on here? My sister starts running after them. My mom yells at her, stop, you know? Right. And these guys were, the, the escalators hadn't turned on yet. So these guys were running up the escalators. Okay. And I'm like, what are they doing? And the gal at open the door said, this is the first day the Aussie tickets are on sale. Ah, okay. So back in the day before the internet, you had to buy tickets. You could go to groceries. I bought tickets at a grocery store once, mm -hmm. but you had to go to a place that had the terminal to buy the tickets at. Right. So all these, all these long haired kids, a lot of them are adults, long haired, just ran up past us and they bought all these Aussie tickets, you know. So, so like what, what year do you think this was? In 1982. Oh, so this would have okay, awesome. So this is this is what we're talking about today. Yeah. Or we'll be talking about that's that's great, yeah. And I that's something that uh, so in Oklahoma you would go to. I, I'm sure there were other places. You know, they used to always talk about in Oklahoma City so you could go to Ticketmaster. Well, we didn't have Ticket a Ticketmaster. We'd go to the McMahon Auditorium, which was just like an auditorium, but you know there'd be some little frumpy 60 year old lady that you'd go up to the little box office and she'd slide the little credit card thing over and you'd buy your ticket. So I, that's where we'd get tickets. Yeah. So all the, all the concerts we'd go to see in Norman, Oklahoma or Oklahoma city, we'd go to the little McMahon auditorium in Lawton, Oklahoma and, and buy those. But yeah, that's the way it was back then. And you'd yeah. have to wait in line. You couldn't you'd have do to it wait. online. And if you cut, you might as well, you know, you get yeah. shanked. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, that's awesome. That is great. So that was my first, you know, of, of Ozzy. And then after that, I find out who Ozzy really was. But right. I was like, who is Ozzy? Right. But I knew that he had enough, enough something to make these stoners get up at, at eight o'clock <laughs> in the morning on a Saturday in a, awesome. in a Mormon owned mall. That's Utah. Awesome. That's great. So, well, good. Well, I want to, uh, we're going to talk about Ozzy Osbourne, uh, specifically okay. 40 years ago, actually last night and tonight. So the 26th and 27th of September in 1982 was when Ozzy recorded two nights at the Ritz in New York City. And right. that that would become a live album, Speak of the Devil. That's what we're going to talk about okay. tonight. But I, I, I had to get your initial reaction, you know, when, when, you, when you were first exposed to Ozzy. That is awesome. So, And, and if I remember correcting, I don't think I heard his last name for a while. It was just Ozzy. It was just yeah. Ozzy. Yeah. A first that's name awesome. like Cher or Sting. It was. Yeah. <laughs> One name. <laughs> Perfect. Ozzy. Okay. Well, when we come back. We are going to dig into this uh, Speak of the Devil album because there's some controversy and there's there's a lot going on uh, with that album. In fact, the Aussie camp has pretty much is disowned the right word. They pretty much just dismissed that album. Mm. And we'll talk about why and, and, and it'll be interesting. So we'll do all that right after we come back. The basement can be a lonely place. Hello? Hello? Is anyone in here? Yet 
at the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast, the basement is all that Jeremy and John have. Their wives don't want them geeking out on classic rock in the living room. Can you blame them? But you can help. For as little as $3 a month, you can become a supporter on Patreon. Join today and end the cycle. Visit patreon.com slash classic guitar rock. They'll still be in the basement. But at least it's not your basement. Hello? Is anyone in here? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. It's the classic guitar rock podcast. You see those professional elements I'm adding? I am. You know, they are. I mean, there is it's some production like, value here. There's production value there. It's and of course jamming it through this low budget streamyard uh, software just adds yeah. a, a touch a nice it's touch like, it's like an eight track but with video <laughs> <laughs> okay hey you can chime in uh okay. if you're joining us on um blah, blah. what are we on we're on youtube we're on the twitter we're on the facebook yeah uh, we're live can, and in public live and in public uh, and you can chime in with your comments and and we'll talk about that so let's Let's go back 1982. John mentioned 1982 when he saw them at the mall or saw the folks lining up to buy tickets for Ozzy at the mall. 82 was an interesting year for Ozzy Osbourne. Now, at the beginning of 1982, so this would have been about February. I think the tour started in the, this would have been, this would have been the second Ozzy Osbourne album. So let me go back. Wait, I don't mean to get too far off track, but so Ozzy records his first album and we won't get into the whole, how he found Randy and all of that, but mm -hmm. he recorded his first album at the end of 79 at a place called Ridge farm in England, right? So it's, it's Randy Rhodes. It's Bob Daisley. They actually didn't have a, a Lee curse, like the drummer till kind of at the end, they were just writing songs with just whatever drummers they could catch up. Once they got Lee curse, like in, he actually helped them write a song or two. Then they recorded the whole song at the end of 79, early 80. So they have this blizzard of Oz album and it, it was, a smash in England. So it gets released like in April of 1980 in England or something like that. Well, it doesn't get released in the U S I believe until like almost a year later. Hmm. So what's really weird is they did a full tour. Okay. They did a full tour of England and then they they had him go back and start recording diary like in 1980 
So there was a, a really short window. So basically, without getting into all the nitty gritty, they had two full albums in the can before they ever toured in the U.S. Wow. They had two albums completely done. So then they come over and they do a quick whirlwind summer-fall tour in 1981 to promote Blizzard a year after they've already done it in England. So they come do that. Um, but in the meantime, Sharon had fired Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslake, the guys that recorded the first two albums. If you look at the Diary of a Madman album, it shows a picture of Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge in the band. But if you read all the fine print, it says all songs by Osborne, Rhodes, Daisley, and Kerslake. So they they oh. on it. It's kind of like White Snake. Remember that big White Snake album? None of the pretty boys in the video actually played on the album. And right. which Tommy Aldridge and, and Rudy Sarzo were also credited on that album and never played on it wow. so kind of funny that they both are on the picture of diary but neither of them played however they came over to the u.s and toured the blizzard tour in the band so they played the the blizzard tour and then they re finally released the diary album and rudy sarzo and tommy aldridge are already in the band then they tour with with diary. So they start like in January of 82. Yeah. January of 82. Cause the album came out and they released the bliss or diary at the same time in the U S and England, unlike they did with blizzard. So diary comes out like in November. And by the way, I bought it like right when it came out. So I was like, Oh, cool. I was a cool kid in school. You bought diary. I bought Diary before. Did your mom I, see the cover? I didn't hold it up. Oh. I just went to the store and bought, paid it, and put it in the bag because I had some money to go to the record store. So why didn't you show it to your mom? Oh, because she would have freaked out. Yeah, she <laughs> saw it eventually. She thought, saw my Iron Maiden albums, and she, Jeremy would, or she'd be like, Jeremy, should you really be listening to that? Oh, the guilt. Lovely. Like, yeah, mom. So what, what was on the cover that your mom didn't like? Well, you know, he looks like a madman, right? He's got blood all over. His hair's all crazy. There's a cross, an upside down cross. cross yeah. There's a like a dead cat or something. I don't remember. Uh, but anyways, I, so so I was going to the store planning to buy Blizzard of Oz because every day going to school we'd listen to Blizzard of Oz. We had uh, someone had a cassette on the bus. Oh. Listen to it. Well, when I get to uh, Remember, no internet. You don't know there's a brand new album out. So I go to the the record store. It was Old Northtown Mall in Spokane because this is when I lived in Montana. We came clear into Spokane. <clears throat> and Northtown, by the way, John, it used to be like a shopping center. It wasn't a covered mall. It was just like a separate little oh. center. So there was this record store that was actually downstairs in what's now the, the bottom of of. Northtown Mall, but there was a record store down there. Down in where Bumpers was? Yeah, yeah. And that was all open air, right? There was a hole, you know, there was a, a, a you'd you'd walk downstairs in the parking lot and there's this lower part. Probably flooded like crazy. I never really I bet it did. But anyways, I go in there planning to buy Blizzard, but there's this whole cutout. There's a whole 
there's a new album out. And so I bought this new Diary of a Madman album, took it to school. And of course, I was a big man on campus because no one had seen it, you know, and I just kind of hold it up. And, you know, everyone thought it was really cool. So anyways, where am I going with all this, John? Okay, so the album came out in November of 81. They start the tour like in January. And so in March, Randy Rhodes. Oh, okay. Let me don't let me get ahead of myself. In February, Sharon Arden, before she was Sharon Osborne, Sharon Arden, brother of of David Arden, daughter of Don Arden, who, by the way, managed a little band called Black Sabbath, um, and had managed Ozzy for years. So, so when Ozzy left Black Sabbath, uh, Don Arden kind of puts Sharon in charge of Ozzy. She's on Aussie watch. Make sure he doesn't do anything stupid like kill himself or whatever, right? right. That's what she's doing. She's kind of managing Aussie. He's pretty so, distra- he's pretty distraught at this time, he's isn't he? Pretty distraught. He'd been fired from Sabbath. Okay. Now, now keep in mind, well, 79, he's really distraught. Once he gets together with with Randy and Bob and they make these albums, I think he's feeling pretty good because that first album was took everyone by surprise blizz or diary came out everyone loved i mean these were huge metal albums i mean these were more successful than anyone thought they would be so in february sharon announces guys we are going to record a live album of sabbath tunes and there was about a mutiny right Randy says no, because Randy was never a Sabbath fan. Randy was into Bowie. He was into Alice Cooper. He was into the glam stuff. Right. right? Like not the, a, like not the, a fan the, of Sabbath. Was it New York Dolls he was into? Too? Probably. He looks like he was, but he was more into the glam scene for sure. And Quiet Riot was very much a glam type band, if you see the early stuff from the 70s. But Randy did not want to do it. Tommy didn't want to do it because they both felt like, especially Tommy, Tommy had been in Black Oak, Arkansas. He had been in the Pat Travers band. He'd played, you know, he already had some cred. And uh, they're both like, we've established ourselves with these two really respected albums. We don't think we should be doing Sabbath stuff. Sabbath covers. They didn't want to do it. Well, because the only reason they wanted to do it for two reasons, right? Well, they wanted to make money. They thought there was a chance to make money. And and there was something with the contracts for for all of the members of Sabbath. There was like a lapse of their licensing or something. So this would be good for everyone, even the the Sabbath guys. They stood to make money from an, an album. Um. And, and, but I think just what we know about Sharon, I think they really wanted to stick the knife into Sabbath because Sabbath was planning to do a live album with Dio. Dio had just come in in 80. And so Ozzy winds up ultimately beating them to the punch by about a month. So think about this in, in October or November of 82, there's a brand new Sabbath album that's Ozzy Osbourne, Speak of the Devil. 
And then a month later, there's Black Sabbath Live Evil, which is all live Sabbath stuff, too. So so it was a way to make a little money, but I think also to kind of beat them to the punch, beat them to the punch, kind of humiliate them, embarrass them, that sort of thing. Um, but but OK, let me catch up where I was. So so at the beginning of of 82 when they announced they're going to do this live stuff randy doesn't want to do it tommy doesn't want to do it rudy is like well you know i need i need the job rudy's kind of agnostic he's i don't think he's ever said a bad thing about any of the bands he's been in he's been i I agree (laughs) i completely agree and he just wanted he didn't want it but he did side with Randy and Tommy and said, Hey, you know, if they're not comfortable doing it, I don't, I don't want to do it. Right. And Ozzy got really mad. So this was a big, this was a big deal and it was a, a, a big blowout. And, and here's what's sad. Cause you don't know what's coming in a month and a half, right? People don't know that by the end of March, Randy Rhodes will be dead. Right. right. Cause I wonder they probably would have been, everyone would have been nicer to each other probably. But, but from the sounds of it, Ozzy was quite upset with Randy. He's upset with the rest of the band. And so finally they all just say, Randy says, okay, fine. You know, we'll do the live album and then I'm going to quit. I'm quitting after the live album. Really? Yep. Yep. That was the, that was the deal. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know if they ever, to be honest, if they were still kind of not getting along because because they're in the middle of a tour now, you know, January, February, March. I think it was March 25th when he was killed. And it was shortly before that that Ozzy punched Randy. OK, that's pretty much common knowledge. They got they he actually punched Randy's like 110 pounds. Yeah, Randy's tiny little guy. So anyways, they were not. They were not getting along. Tragically, he dies. And so now this whole plan for uh, all they had, all they, uh, they never did record all the Sabbath tracks. They had three tracks that Randy used to play live. So at the end of the set, they would do Children of the Grave, Iron Man and Paranoid. Okay. So there were recordings of Randy playing those three songs. And so then after the dust settles, you know, after a few weeks or months, you know, they, they literally, they took like a week off and then they bring Bernie Torme in from England who had been playing with Ian Gillen, who was a very blues based guitarist, not right, not a Randy Rhodes style player at, at all, but they bring him in. And and he was always supposed to be just a stopgap. He was never supposed to be the guy. And he basically, as a favor, comes in and plays a handful of dates. So um, when does Brad Gillis come in? Brad Gillis comes in like middle of April. Oh, so wow. so end of March, it's, it's like two weeks, right? There's like a two-week window where Torme comes Someone had seen Brad Gillis. Um, I used to know the guy's name, Preston. It was uh, uh, 
Thrall, Pat Thrall, who played with Pat Travers and knew, had played with Tommy Aldridge. Preston Thrall, I think is the guy's name. He saw Brad Gillis playing in a band called Rubicon in the Bay Area. And he was playing, uh, you know, it's cover band and they happened to be playing Flying High again. That was the popular Aussie song at the time. Right. And apparently he played it really well and they played like maybe another Aussie. So he's already playing like two Aussie songs. And this Preston gets a hold of Aussie's folks or whatever and says, hey, there's this kid in San Francisco named Brad Gillis that you got to get. So, you know, it's a typical story he gets a call on a Sunday from some guy with a British accent claiming to be Ozzy Osbourne. And at first he's like, yeah, right. You know, but it really was him. And he said, you know, yeah, fly out here to New York. You know, he's giving him a list. He's telling him, you know, I want you to fly out here next weekend, blah, 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 blah. So this is all happening. Bang, 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 bang. So fast. He has to literally, literally go out and borrow or buy the albums and he's got like three days to learn all wow. the list, flies out, doesn't even have money to pay, you know, the cab. He has to go in and get someone from the entourage to come out and pay for the taxi. They put him in the room. They lock Rudy in a room with him to teach him all the songs. He's been listening to him, so he's kind of learning them. So basically, you know, from the time he gets the phone call till he's playing live, it's like a week or a week. Right. Wow. And That's, so he, that is scary. Yeah. He starts playing like middle of April. I saw him like middle of June. So when I'd seen him in 1982 in the Spokane Coliseum, it was like middle of June. Brad Gillis was playing guitar. So he had already done it for like a month when I saw him. But so. So now they're starting to talk about this. It's back on the burner now. We we want to do this live album. We got Bradley now. We can do it. And so they they book the Ritz in New York City, which is a very kind of a Rudy Sarzo described as kind of like a a, a Latin uh, ballroom, very ornate. Kind of like when you and I went to see Wishbone Ash. Oh, okay. You know, uh, just a very Art Deco type, you know, building, small. So when you when you hear this album, if you're thinking a big Aussie show, it wasn't like that at all. They were on a small stage. It only takes holds like a thousand people. So it was very small. You know, Brad and and Rudy were in tight right in front of the drum riser and Ozzy's right. Ozzy, Ozzy's wearing a pair of sweatpants and he's got a folding chair with a lamp on it with lyric sheets down on his. <laughs> so it, it was not about a show. It was about a recording. Right. Gotcha. And so, and here's what people forget in August of that summer, Ozzy shaved his head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember seeing pictures of that? Yeah. yeah. So, and that, so, shaving heads was not common when I grew up. No, no one did it. And, and everyone was kind of freaked out because that was just weird. The, uh, the only person I remember having a shaved head was Telly Savalas. Yeah. yeah. So, so, 
he's playing at the uh there's an old clip from night flight where ozzy is being interviewed shortly after you know you know how when you get a buzz and after a month or two you get the kind of shaggy double yeah throwing in stuff that's what he looks like right and that's basically what he would have looked like at the ritz for these shows right however if you look at all the cover art he's got a wig on and you know he looks like ozzy we're used to seeing but they record this over these two nights and i always get i always get in trouble when i say this because you know you're not supposed to say anything about randy rhodes and i love randy rhodes I think Brad Gillis plays the Sabbath stuff a lot better than Randy did. Oh, you do? Oh, big time. Yeah. And so here's the thing. Randy wasn't into it. And you can tell. I mean, I don't. I just don't think his playing sounds as good. Where to me, when I hear Brad Gillis play it, I think he's a Sabbath fan. I think he just likes that music. And he just had a really killer he had a really, he was a little crazy on the whammy bar, but that was the style back in the early eighties. Remember that? Oh, yeah. So, um, but I think it shows with Brad that he really liked that music more than Randy did. I, I've, I think he did a great job. Um, but they were, they record the, the, the two nights. Here's where it gets funny. So these guys all get together. They they fly out from from um, Los Angeles. That was kind of home base for Ozzy. So they're all and I think at one time they all just lived at Ozzy's house. They had a, yeah. kind of a house there, and they all lived there. So they all fly out. They had five days in New York to learn seventy minutes of material. Uh, you know, and you got to figure they probably all knew three or four Sabbath tunes. So they probably already knew 10 or 15 minutes worth, I'm guessing, but they had to learn 70 minutes of music. And here's what pissed them all off. Ozzy wasn't even there. Ozzy, Ozzy didn't even show up till a sound check the day of. Didn't even show up. Didn't know the words. Didn't, I mean, it was, he was not ready at all. And so here's the dirty little secret about that album. Most of the vocals were completely redone in the studio. After oh, really? Yep. The music wasn't. In fact, Max Norman, Max Norman, who was the engineer on the first two albums, engineer slash producer on the first two albums, he made them on one of the days, I can't remember if it was the, the 26th or the 27th, he made them play a full show with no one in the, within the empty building. He says, we're going to record the whole show just for safety's sake. Safety sake. And I think he said like three or four of the songs that you hear on the live album are actually from the empty hall. They just added crowd noise. Gotcha. But, but what they had to do is go back and redo a lot of the vocals, but the music, I don't think they really, I don't think they messed with the music much at all. In fact, one of the funny stories is when they were getting ready for it, um, Sharon said, guys, don't worry about Iron Man, Children of the Grave, and Paranoid, because we're going to use Randy's cuts for those oh. on this live album. So don't worry about it. I mean, you can play it for the show. People will want to hear it, 
but don't spend any time practicing those. So they didn't. And of course, you know what happened. They wound up using those because they decided, you know, they, they say it's out of respect for Randy, but I think it's out of a payday. They said, no, 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 no. We're going to save the Randy stuff for later because we have live shows of Randy. That that wound up being the tribute album from 1986, four years later that they released. So they saved the three Sabbath tunes that Randy played on for that. And then they said, oh, yeah, we are going to use those three songs, guys. And Rudy was like, because he's just beside himself because he thinks it sounds so bad. I mean, when I listen to it, I think it sounds pretty dang good. But no one is happy with those three songs because they weren't expecting them to be keepers. Uh, uh, but I think they're great. I mean, it's, it's a tight band. I mean, they sound really good. Um Adam says, uh, imagine if Randy played the Speak of the Devil album. Uh, I think that would have been cool. But but Adam, I also think that I, I like the way Brad played the Sabbath stuff. I Just because I think he dug it more than Randy, than Randy did. It would have been interesting, though. Now, I would have loved to hear him play the whole thing. But Randy, you know, per Randy... The, that was going to be the last thing he did with Ozzy was the live album. But yeah, that would have been awesome to see that. Uh, absolutely. So let's see. 20, uh, November, it comes out. Um, so there's no tour because it's a live album, right? Well, so here's what's funny. And I got myself in trouble here uh, a few years back because <clears throat> I had to do some digging on this. So there is a an MTV concert. Remember when MTV used to do their concerts every Saturday night? Yeah, it's cool. So there was a an Aussie concert, which was from the Diary of a Madman tour. So it was in Southern California, and it's it's the diary set, right? So they're doing all the Aussie songs, and then they do like three Black Sabbath songs. That's what they would do on the diary tour. Well, when they released that as a video, this is before DVDs, but as a VHS, they called it Speak of the Devil. But oh. it but it wasn't it wasn't Speak of the Devil, which is all Sabbath, right? It was a recording of the Diary of a Madman tour, but they called it Speak of the Devil. And then here's what I did not know. They did, in fact, do a short tour in like the fall of 82 called the Speak of the Devil Tour. Wow. But it was it was basically the Diary of a Madman set because they weren't playing all Sabbath tunes. Mm. The only album that's called Speak of the Devil is that live album of all Sabbath tunes. But then they did have a set. A, speak of the devil tour in the U S I don't think it was outside of the U S and by the way, Rudy Sarzo had left. So, uh, he went to quiet riot, quiet riot. Right. So here's a funny story on the way back after they've recorded, uh, speak of the devil on the way back, they're all flying back. Ozzy's not there. It's just, it's Tommy, Brad and, and Rudy, it sounds like they got to be pretty good buds. I mean, it makes sense that that would be the case. In fact, Rudy and 
Tommy wound up playing together in White Snake later on. Um, but as they go back, Brad says, Hey, check out this. I've been working on this. It's secret, right? So, so he plays him a demo of Night Ranger that oh, no yeah. one was supposed to know about. And then Rudy says, Oh, yeah, check out this. I've been working on this. No one's supposed to hear this. And so then he's playing them quiet riot stuff that he's been working on secretly. So as soon as they get back, basically they both leave. Mm-hmm. So when they do this speak of the devil tour towards the end of 82, they had Pete way who was in UFO was playing bass. I think Brad might've played a little bit, but here's what people don't realize. Jakey Lee came in and actually played, I think part of that tour before he then recorded the next album with Ozzy. But Ozzy was mad. In fact, backstage at the Us Festival in 1983, supposedly he punched or threatened Rudy Sarzo because he was so mad that Rudy had left the band. But, you know, the thing is, a lot of drama, a lot of drama. But the thing is, when Randy died, Rudy and Tommy were done. They didn't really want to do it anymore. Brad was there because he was hired and he had a job to do, right? But but he said everyone was bummed the whole time. So it just wasn't a fun situation for anyone. And so they all left and 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 did their own thing. Um and yeah, the Aussie camp is pretty much just disavowed that album because they just think the the only reason they did it was contractually they owed Jet Records this Live Sabbath album. Mm. When Randy died, Randy didn't want to do it anyways. He he said he would do it. He died. He never did. Was able to. So I think it was like I don't know. No one was into it. No one was into it. So have you ever heard Speak of the Devil the whole album, John? I have not heard it. It's hard to find. So Is it on Spotify? Not on Spotify. No. Oh, wow. I have I have a CD of it that I ordered years ago and I had a, I had the cassette that I had um but you can't they don't they don't they don't want you to have it. I mean it's not anything that the record company pushed. I mean you can still buy it on Amazon or something. It's kind of expensive if you can find it though. Um so what about this whole process, this album just resonated with you? It seems like it really connected with you on a different level. I did I did like it because it's very um you got I mean it's the quintessential 80s guitar sound. You know, it's uh you know Randy Rhodes sound was really kind of grindy and it was kind of a cool sound but Brad Gillis played Mesa boogies. You know, it was a different sound. It wasn't the Marshall sound. He'd had all the, I mean, he was, he was, Randy was kind of coming from the seventies. Brad to me is like, it's more the eighties. It's more squealy. There's more pinch harmonics. There's more whammy bar. Uh, and then you compare the way he plays it. When you go back to actually listen to the original Sabbath tune. Now, some people, 
They don't like that. They want to hear Tony Iommi. They want to hear it like it sounded in 1974, right? Yeah, they want to hear it played with two fingers. <laughs> they want to hear it played with two fingers. That's right. Uh, but I don't know. I just love the way Brad plays it. And it he just, he zips it up. You can tell he likes it. You know, he can tell, you can tell he's into it way more than Randy would have ever been. So in my, this is controversial, right? Obviously my favorite, for me, uh, Ozzy ended as, as, as my favorite artist, Speak of the Devil is the end of it for me, right? I didn't like Bark at the Moon. I mean, it's okay. It's all right. I don't dislike it. Jake is a good guitar player. He played on Bark at the Moon. He played on uh, Ultimate Sin. Oh, yeah. And, and he's good. He's talented. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, by especially by the Ultimate Sin where Ozzy is dressing like B. Arthur, you know, he's, got, he's, he's wearing these big caftans with these yeah, gigantic like, shoulder pads. Yeah, and- he's got these big robes on and sequins in his hair. And it's like, dude, what happened? You know, it went from being something cool, you know, those first two albums and then even the, the diary, it was pretty raw and it was rocking. And then bark at the moon got a little wimpier and watered down. And then by, then it just, that was the it for me, right? The first two albums were huge for me. Um, you know, so I don't know. It just, and I, I'm, this is not an exaggeration. My sophomore year in high school, I listened to Blizzard or Diary or maybe both every single day. Wow. Of my 10th grade. I, that, that is not an, I'd come home from school and I'd listen to one of those albums all the way through. You know, that's, that was just, um, that was a big deal to me. So, so I started the 10th grade at, in 82, you know, Randy Rhodes had just died like at the end of my ninth grade. And I was all bummed about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that, that's a, a really good album to me. And so in the hierarchy, right. You got Randy Rhodes. He's the, he's the top dog in the, in the Aussie camp. And then to me, and most people will never say this, but to me, the second one is Brad, even though the only, all he ever played on was that one live album. I just, I even, like even more than Zach Wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like Zach, but I I I just it didn't it it lost the magic for me. So, I think Zach's awesome. I think Jakey e. Lee was awesome, but I it wasn't the same. And uh, what made that man, band magic wasn't necessarily Aussie. I mean, I was part of it. Mm-hmm. But it was just that band that was really tight and So, anyways, it 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 was a a great album, hard to find. I'm going to, I'm going to burn you a copy. So I'd love to have one. I don't, yeah, it's, I don't have a CD player. (laughs) Oh no. Well, we'll do something. We'll do something. Can you you rip me an MP3? I'll email it to me. That's right. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I I took a, a, a Goodwill Industries run the other day and unloaded two (laughs) Blu-rays. I haven't played a Blu-ray in about seven, eight years. So. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah, you know, last night we tried to watch Harry Potter on a, on a Blu-ray and it was all scratched up and we couldn't. So we just wound up going to Amazon and finishing it on Amazon anyways, but (laughs) it's funny. (laughs) You didn't take it off and blow on it and rub it on your shirt. Yeah. We tried all that. Yeah. But it would just, it would get to a spot where it just wouldn't even do it. 
So anyways, so anyways, John, that, you know, I just 40 years ago, first of all, it's terrifying to think that 40 years has gone by. That's a long time. Fast. 40 years, 1982. Uh, oh, and that was another one that my mom about had a heart attack when she saw the cover of that. Cause that's one where he's spitting up like the, 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 you know, it looks like jelly. Yeah. Know, jelly or something, whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, my, my mom wasn't a fan, but man, I sure dug it. That was, I mean, dude, when you're a sophomore in high school, there's nothing cooler than, you know, a guy spitting blood up on guy the wearing spandex pants. Spewing yeah. blood. <laughs> was that, was, so was, was, what was when we was, he, I remember seeing like an ad one time where he has, he's dressed up like a house housewife. And he's ironing one of his babe, one of his children. I just saw that. Yes, he's ironing. He's like ironing a kid. I don't remember what that was for. I don't know what kind of promotion that was for, but I thought this has got to be. I was thinking more like Weird Al than I was heavy metal at the time. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Well, he went through a stretch there. There's one video. It just got silly after a while there's one video where he's like dressed up like jr ewing from dallas really you know? yeah he's singing uh i can't remember what it was something off ultimate sin you know it just it just kind of got to be a joke uh ultimate sin was that the one where he had to do it with lita ford no that was uh that was a little later so that might have been no rest for the wicked well that was the lead it was on the lita ford album i'm not sure that that song is actually on an aussie album Close oh. my eyes forever. Yeah, that was yeah. about 89. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And, you know, he's still at it. What is he, 75, 73, something? Yeah, he's got bad health. I mean, he does have not, bad not, health. not unexpected. No, no. So he's probably, you know, knock on wood. Uh, hopefully he'll be around a good long time. But, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's getting up there. But that that album that album is a is a really good album. When I want to listen to live Sabbath, that's the one I listen to, and that's sacrilege to some Sabbath fans. But I just I just think it's a really good album, and it's awesome. So cool, so cool. Well, John, I did all the talking. I didn't you even did a lot of talking. I love it. I'm I'm, I'm the play by play. Well. Thank you so much. It's been so long since we got together. So, so we've, here's our commitment to our viewers at home, John, we got to do this more often. Yeah. So, and, and we've got, Oh, look, my son, my son is, yeah. I'm going to, hey, I'm Noah. Gonna, hey, Noah, thanks for, thanks for joining us. He's watching us. Um, oh, I thought he was referring to me, his dad. N- no, my dad. He's, he's oh, oh, okay. <laughs> So, um, I don't know what that picture is, Noah, on your picture. Is that a stuffed animal? Is that, it's like a koala bear. Look at that. That's cool. Oh, or scary. Anyway, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Noah, for, for joining in. So the next, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tease our next episode. This is okay. one that, that John recommended. And you know what? I like that you chose this one. You did not choose the obvious album from this band. And what was it again? It was U2's Unforgettable Fire. Unforgettable Fire, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love that album. Call it a sort of homecoming. That's one of the songs, but it's called Unforgettable right. Fire. And, you know, I think people hear Joshua Tree. We've all heard Joshua Tree a jillion times. So when you said Unforgettable Fire, I thought, that's a great idea. So yeah. that's what we're going to do on the next episode. Yeah. Great. We'll put some history on it. Talk about it a little bit. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And you, remember, yeah, you can be a supporter on Patreon for as little as $3 a month. And you can also check out our website at classicguitarrock.com. Oh, I got one more production element to lead us out here. Are you ready? Let's do it. Here we go. Okay. So thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time right here on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. See you guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Oh, sweetly. Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We're not ordinary people. <laughs> We're morons. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Podcast.